0: Hello, everybody, welcome back to Unlimited Horizons, the podcast by the International Association of Women. My name is Megan Pizzuto. I am your host here today. And as always, thrilled to be back here with another one of our amazing influencer members. Today, I'm joined by Ernie Rambo, who is the owner of Transformational Education Consulting. She is based in Las Vegas, Nevada, also a the vice president of our IAW local chapter in Las Vegas, Ernie, welcome! Thank you so much for being here. I'd love if you can can share a little bit more about you. What I failed to mention in your intro, you do have some big letters after your name. So we've got PhD and we've got NBCT. So we're gonna dive in to learn more about you and your education and training, but also the work you've done to empower and support other teachers. So kick us off with a little background. Tell us more about yourself. Thanks. Uh,
1: I'm just thrilled to be invited to be here. Uh, you asked about the letters behind my name, and it's kind of a story. I, I grew up originally in Pennsylvania, went to school in Michigan, and I've lived in Las Vegas since 1979, which sort of classifies me as a local um, or <laughs> as a native by by Vegas standards. So uh, in education, I was a middle school teacher for 29 years pretty much all of that, except for one year in Columbia, South America, I was teaching in Las Vegas. And so the PhD that I have is a doctor of education. Um, I focused, my entire pathway has always been liberal arts. My bachelor's degree, basically, although it was a degree in education, was liberal arts. My master's degree was integrating the arts into education. And so I found myself on the same path. It seems that the PhD, I embarked on what was referred to as professional studies. And Mm. that's where I really developed my passion for providing effective and meaningful professional learning for teachers. And then added to that, the other letters, NBCT, stand for National Board Certified Teacher.
0: Amazing. Amazing. So I love your story so much because obviously lots of time in the classroom, but also now working to empower other teachers. Right. And the, the whole process of when I, when I look at teaching as a, as a field, I could never be a teacher. I know this about myself, but I give so much credit to the teachers out there. I have three small kids. A lot of my family works in education and it's hard. (laughs) It's hard. Um, so I, I find the, the work you do to be so amazing. Um, I want to talk a little bit about some some questions we ask a lot of our podcast guests and then we'll dive in a little more to to your journey and and the things that have been most helpful for you but we talk a lot about community and this idea that women can work together to empower us to to reach new levels, right? If we want to get further, let's let's join together and and work together. So we asked you for a tip around this. And you said, so often I want to jump into a conversation and share my point of view. I've learned that encouraging others to speak supports their success and facilitates me learning more about them and how we can work together. Can you expand on that a little bit?
1: I can. Thanks. It's especially when you've got the letters PhD behind your name, you just think that, you know, it all, actually, you know, better, but as conversations continue, it's you always want to jump in and add what you're thinking. And what I've really have to try hard to do is to just wait, not, not that I won't engage in a conversation, but perhaps steer my conversation to learn more about what the other person or people are thinking, Mm. um, With IAW and our monthly events, it's been really exciting to to listen as women join together. And actually, I was just reflecting this morning, uh, each time that we've had even our panel discussions, we learn so much about what we have in common. Mm. And then we also learn about some hidden skills that each of us possesses or that we all possess. And um, I, I just like to think... I was thinking of like all the work that we do behind the scenes anywhere uh, in connecting with others and that behind the scenes work really focuses on what do I know about this person? Mm -hmm. What, what are their access points for joining in the Mm -hmm. work with us and how can Mm -hmm. they not only develop their capacity, but also uh, share with others what they already know. Right. And that comes from the listening, not from me telling everybody what I'm thinking.
0: Yeah. I think listening is, Such an important skill. And to to recognize that you you have that sense where you want to jump in and you want to share and you want to help, but recognizing that taking a step back and listening is so important. And that's how that's how we gain so much knowledge and insight into what other people are thinking or what other people need. And I often say the best way to to support somebody else, if if your goal is to support others you have to listen to them you have to be able to understand because so often we assume right they they start talking and we jump to the end for them <laughs> and yes and <laughs> that that I'm very similar right in a conversation I want to jump in and help I want to help solve the problem and I'm I'm there and I get excited but you have to step back and 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 listen so have you done any work specifically around listening skills or or is this just something like in practice where you realize it and are more, more aware. With my background in education,
1: elementary teachers are given some direction Mm -hmm. to develop listening skills. And it's often the last thing on our lists of what we do. We get so frustrated that, you know, we repeat ourselves over and over and over again. We wonder, were you not listening? Um, But the truth is, I think the research used to say, I don't know what it is currently, but maybe 25% of us are auditory learners. What about the other 75%? So how do we engage them in more active listening so that they can see the benefits? Mm -hmm. Uh, I hate to say it, but I think I focus more on listening now Mm -hmm. than I used to. Mm -hmm. And it's that active listening. Uh, What is it we're often reminded of? And you kind of addressed it just a minute ago when we're listening all too often we're thinking of what we're going to say in response yes and let's have some of that dead air right let's have some of that space in between when you're speaking when i'm speaking so that i can take in what you just said and then process an answer or a
0: reply yeah yeah and that's that's something that i really think you just have to you have to be aware of it and you have to practice it yeah. this idea that i can listen to you take it in take a moment and then craft my response and say something back where you're right. So often we're, we're ready to to respond immediately and so much gets missed. I think that with all the technology we have, we're so used to having instant access to everything, right? We will debate things at the, the the dining room table at night and somebody will pull out a phone so we can prove somebody else wrong. And I'm like, Absolutely. you know, it's, it's amazing that we have all this access to information, right? And it's, it's, it's great in some ways, but I think it, it's it has sped us up. <laughs> it's like nobody pauses anymore. <laughs> right. Um,
1: and that pause actually gives us time to be
0: critical in a good way. Mm-hmm,
1: is mm-hmm. this a reliable source? Let me take a right. minute to think about what this is saying. So jumping right. in on that there, but I just,
0: Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that I love to talk to people about is challenges they have faced because I personally feel that if we've been through challenges and we've come out the other side, we can share our stories and help others. So if someone is in a similar spot, they can they can learn from us and that way it's this idea that well, you don't have to go bang your head against the wall because I've already been there and I figured it out. so I'm gonna help I'm gonna help make it a little bit easier for you. Uh, so one of the challenges that you shared with us, you say prior to retiring from classroom teaching, you held a unique set of skills and expertise. School districts are not always interested in elevating a classroom teacher into leadership positions, particularly those who push back on systemic issues. <laughs> so was your goal was 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 moving into a leadership position something you were actively seeking or looking for at that time? Or was it? Was it, I'm, I'm curious kind of from a challenge perspective, was it that you didn't feel like you could get to the next step or were you being held Mm. back in some way?
1: Perhaps a little bit of both. Mm. As you were sharing that, I thought of at what point did I recognize myself as a leader? Mm. And I do recall sitting in, like many teachers, I was sitting in professional learning situations and wondered why is that person presenting this why why are we even sitting through this particular session how does this connect with my teaching i don't know that it, it i don't it, it did it did dawn on me i could be doing this i could be leading this session and yet i never thought about what steps do i need to take so that i can lead those sessions mm. and to be honest a lot of the educators who lead professional learning are no longer in the classroom and through some work that I was invited to do with the Center for Teaching Quality, I learned the exciting term of teacherpreneur. And that's where teachers are encouraged to lead while staying in the classroom, lead from the classroom. Mm -hmm. So that really pushed me to consider ways that I could lead. If the school district wanted to make use of that, uh, wonderful. But I was still teaching full-time, not half-time as a teacherpreneur might do. but it, it through that leading outside of my district, I, I would say definitely my colleagues knew th- that I could lead. Um, there's also a point to step back as well, mm-hmm. right? Just because I lead doesn't mean I need to lead all of the time. Yep. But I, it was interesting to just learn more outside of my local professional community and right. learn to lead with them. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's actually how I was introduced to things like micro-credentials
0: mm-hmm.
1: and facilitating virtual learning communities. Mm-hmm. And those were skills that most of our other teachers did not possess uh, right. nor had the time, right? right? We're always so busy. How do we set these priorities to learn new things? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. by the time I left the uh, classroom, yeah, I, I held unique skills and I was pleased to find out that I didn't have to retire from life altogether just because I left the classroom
0: right right so i want to i want to hone in on one thing that you shared in this related to pushing back on systemic issues because i think when we look at teachers and burnout in teachers and how much they're handling in the classroom i guess my question is what advice would you offer for somebody that is in their teaching career that i mean is it like obviously it's hard to be in that place and not push back on systemic issues but how do they how do they get to a place where they, they can step in and help lead or help, help change if, if they wanna stay in the classroom and be happy and successful? We're going to take a quick break to talk about the International Association of Women. We talk a lot about the challenges women face, and we know that the best way to overcome challenges is with a supportive community by your side. The International Association of Women is here to support you throughout your professional journey. No matter where you're at in your career or business, IAW has the resources, tools, programming, and events to help you make progress towards your goals. This includes frequent networking events where you can show up authentically and share your ask with the community, a resource library filled with eBooks and templates, and monthly workshops and webinars that are geared towards helping you maximize your potential. Visit www.iawomen.com to learn more about the IAW community and how IAW will help you fast track your success. All right, let's get back to the show.
1: There's several ways to answer that question. I think Uh, always, (laughs) right? There's always more than one answer, find your voice. And yet, how do you find that voice? It is interesting that teaching is the one profession that everybody else thinks that they know how to do. Mm -hmm. So in essence, well-intended policymakers, well-intended upper-level administrators are the ones who make the decisions about how we'll teach and what is taught in our schools. And yet as the practitioner, while it's important to learn their point of view, again, listening, Mm -hmm. uh, it also helps to remind others of the immediacy that we find in the classroom. Yeah. And that immediacy covers everything, uh, but basically it, it, it addresses the immediate ne- immediate needs of the children. You can plan a beautiful lesson, and you know as a teacher, nothing that you planned is going to go absolutely right. Um, somebody needs to see the nurse. Somebody starts having a <laughs> meltdown in class. And meanwhile, you're getting announcements over the speaker, and maybe there's a shelter in place. Unfortunately, more and more we're seeing that. Right. So a, a lockdown actually adds a new dynamic to the classroom because then you're dealing with the emotional level of kids and yourself depending on the situation there's a lot going on there yeah so-
0: that yeah and i know we won't be we won't be publishing this episode won't publish for about 6 right. weeks i think but we're to give people some context we're in the week of the nashville incident school shooting and yeah. I I have three young kids, right? Elementary and middle school. And I think, wow, like what, like my, my kids know what has happened and it's so it's disruptive, right? It's, it's a terrible, awful thing that has happened. And how do you go back into the classroom and just have a normal day?
1: Now we're <laughs> going to talk about how to make the capital letter A. It, <laughs> it is such a challenge. Um, and it, it's so challenging for all families. You know, mm-hmm. for families and students and teachers, technically in a lockdown situation, you shouldn't be communicating at all with outside because any communication might bring on more, um, Right. I'm not sure right where word, it right word is there, bring on more uh, right. negative things. So it's really right. challenging because students reach out to their families, families want to know what's going on, they want to show up at the school, and yet. it's hard. It's hard hard for everybody. Yeah. So we
0: had, we had probably about a month ago at our middle school, it went into what they called a soft lockdown. There was a rumor that somebody had brought something to school and parents were notified. Um, but then kids started texting parents from inside the school. And then some parents started going to the school to pick up kids and the, the school allowed that. And it, it turned into this, like, is this, is, is this what's supposed to happen? Because I feel like there's a lot of communication and there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of people out and about. And it was really from a parent perspective, overwhelming. And then my kids came home and, and they shared and we talked and it was overwhelming for them, but then they had to go to school the next day. And it, it was this, this idea of like, nobody, nobody was just like, was over it. Right. It it continues to have this disruption. And I think about teachers today in the classrooms and all of the different things they have to manage. (laughs) Um, I, I don't know. Um, so in terms of, I'm going to, I'm going to shift us back kind of to something you talked about in regards to, we could talk all day about the (laughs) unfortunate heartbeat. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's unfortunately where there's, there's, it's, it's really sad in my opinion, where we're at, um, and I feel like more needs to be done, but that's another conversation for another day. Um, you talked about micro-credentials as a form of professional learning, and I want to dive into that a little bit because I think that you have applied this as an educator, but it's something that could be applied to anybody at any profession, right? So explain to me what you mean by micro-credentials and and how they have served you a little bit. Thanks. Um
1: They can be. I'm learning more and more about micro-credentials. My entire experience, what I know of them, is entirely within the field of education. Mm -hmm. Uh, So saying that, currently, the micro-credentials I work with are a form of professional learning. And within each micro-credential, the educator demonstrates their mastery of a discrete skill, of what we refer to as a competency. Mm -hmm. So we might have several standards to which teachers should aspire You break that standard down into what are the, I'm going to say physical, for lack of a better term, what are the physical ways that we can show or demonstrate mastery of that particular skill or that particular knowledge? Mm -hmm. So sometimes you might learn a lot. I completed a micro-credential in Teachers of English as a New Language, and I learned a lot about teaching English to English language learners, obviously, and about the laws and such. Uh, So I created the artifacts as I learned. Mm -hmm. Uh, Often uh, for teachers, there are areas, there might be a teacher who's already quite familiar with effective blended learning. Notice how, please, I added that word effective because of course every teacher knows something about uh, online learning um, after the pandemic. (laughs) Uh, So, but, but looking at what makes online learning effective uh, they might have artifacts at hand that meet the needs of the micro credential So it's just a matter of providing some context, typically is the first part of the micro-credential, and then developing and submitting artifacts that demonstrate that mastery, and then providing some reflection as well. You know, this is good knowledge to have. Here's how I can see myself using it in the future.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And mm-hmm. takes about 15 hours. Mm, there's a range there. But roughly, we estimate 15 hours per micro-credential. So we're seeing more and more states, uh, including micro-credentials, as a pathway to renewing licenses. Mm. Uh, More school districts are seeing them as a way to uh, move ahead, you know, professional learning that moves you ahead on the pay scale. Right. Uh, And we're also seeing them as meaningful because just like national board certification, the work that you do with micro-credentials applies directly to your practice. Which is one of the basic foundations of adult learning mm-hmm. is I, I'm on a need to know basis. These are my students. This is what I need to know right now to right. be able to meet the needs of those students. So that's right. why micro-credentials are so interesting to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so I have it's funny, I have whenever I talk to you, I have so many questions because I find it so fascinating. Like I I said I shared. I have a lot of educators in my family and I know a lot of educators in my life and I have so much respect for educators but I've never wanted to be in a classroom and I just don't see myself like it just um but I I find it fascinating the the work you do now so talk to us now now that you're out of the classroom and you have transformational education consulting what do you what kind of consulting do you do who do you work with and And what's kind of your your target there?
1: I have to admit, throughout life, opportunities have come to me. So for the life of me, if I thought, when I retire, I will think I'll be an education consultant. I didn't know what would I consult on. You know, my memories of teaching science 20 years ago, maybe that's not the most up-to-date consulting um, or the best model of consulting. So the work with micro-credentials has provided some pathways because I have designed and written micro-credentials as well as earned them and assessed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Center for Teaching Quality uh, sometimes will invite me to work with them, with mm-hmm. other organizations that are somewhere in the process of creating or developing micro-credentials. The Portrait of a Nevada Learner is my newest opportunity, if you will, uh, as a consultant, Um, we're just gathering many voices together as we work on uh, connecting businesses, organizations, all education stakeholders to create a model where we can see what are the durable skills that are systemic as well as academic concerns to Mm -hmm. our students. So Mm -hmm. that work came to me based on my reputation of working with the Nevada National Board Professional Learning Institute, again, an opportunity that came to my door because of my unique skills, right, uh, with, and in particular, the virtual learning, uh, and also, <laughs> and also the uh, professional learning, but virtual professional learning with that, um, yeah, caught the attention of Dr. Tanya Holmes Sutton, when she was yep. creating the Institute. So I can't say that I've created a focus for this profession, for this consultant business. It, um, I'm, happy. And I think it might need a bit more focus as I continue. Actually, that's really where IAW comes in. You know, one Mm -hmm. of the values of my membership with IAW is that I can seek mentors. I can learn more about expanding my concepts so that I can continue with consulting.
0: Yeah. But how incredible that you've, you have found this opportunity where you, you could retire from the classroom, right? Because you, you were a teacher for a very long time, but that's got to be exhausting. And at some point it's, it's time to explore other pathways, but that you have found a way to continue things that fulfill you and that make you happy, um, while, while having somewhat of a career, right. It's, it's almost like your, your second career, but it's still so aligned with, with what you did and supported by all of the amazing things you've done. So very cool. Very thanks. Cool. It's,
1: it's an honor as much as it was an honor to teach the children of Nevada, that families trusted me with that Mm -hmm. task. It's also an honor to have the opportunity to work with our teachers. And those teachers are from across the nation. It's not just Nevada's Mm -hmm. teachers. Mm -hmm. So to be able to support them as they are supporting our children is just an incredible, it's a gift.
0: It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you for, I know I'm not in Nevada, but I I have so much respect for the work our teachers do and just knowing that there's people out there supporting them in ways that help develop them and keep them motivated and keep them wanting to be in that classroom I think is is really great so thank you um, as we wrap up here today I will mention you can connect with Ernie online at ernierambo.com or at rambo teacher on social media we'll have those linked up in the show notes you can click right right from the episode. Ernie any final thoughts or advice that you want to share with our listeners as we wrap up here today
1: keep listening I you know that sounds so simple and yet to me that is just keep listening keep watching use your five senses in mm-hmm. all that you do and mm-hmm. I think that will serve you well. Love thanks that. for having me today.
0: thank you so much for being here. thanks to everyone tuning in uh, check out. our our past episodes, give a rating if if you enjoyed this episode and stay tuned. We will be back next week with a new episode. I hope you're having a great day and we hope to see you in the IAW community soon. Thank you for listening to Unlimited Horizons, a podcast hosted by the International Association of Women. If you would like more information about our community, visit our website at www.iawomen.com.